Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, and I will be your very bald and pale host of this amazing podcast. I, I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas, but don't be fooled. This podcast is for the world at large. The world is so good at offering things that don't actually satisfy us, and our brothers and sisters and us, we're, we're longing for the true food and the true drink that really satisfies the deepest desires of our hearts. The world is starving for Jesus. We are starving for Jesus, for the bread of life which comes down from heaven and gives us his own life. Jesus, so good. It's only him that can satiate our insatiable hunger in this place, in this world. So our title, New Manna, it comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He gives us himself totally in the Holy Eucharist. So each episode of New Manna, here's what you can expect. Eucharistic testimony from clergy and lay leaders, and then a short conversation about a bite-sized portion of a papal document pertaining to the Eucharist and worship. So today, I have the supreme pleasure of being joined by Father Luke Doyle and Father Joel Haug. Gentlemen, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Good Lee. To thanks for you. having us on. Let's get after it. Uh, what is going on today? <laughs> what is going on today? We've got um, some men in formation for the priesthood um, on retreat here at uh, Savior here in Kansas City. And Father Joel and I have been able to accompany them um, as directors in their time of retreat. It's been mm. really beautiful to see Jesus bring some freedom and healing and, and just loving on um, some of his friends that he um, yeah is calling to share in his priesthood. So good. Yeah. So yeah. good. And when you're serving... In this capacity as a director, as always in ministry, you receive a whole lot more than mm. you give. Amen. And as they're going on a journey, you're interiorly going on a journey with them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just such a blessing because the graces that they receive, you are also receiving with them. So what a joy. So good. So good. Jesus is alive and is about a good work in his church in forming all of us, uh, no matter where we are. So I got some questions for you guys. I want to know the story of Jesus moving in your life. I want to know where were you before Jesus became a reality for you, especially in the Eucharist? What was that story like? What's your love story with Jesus like? Hmm. Beautiful question. Beautiful question. Uh, so this is Father Luke. I uh, am the associate pastor at St. Michael's uh, in Leewood, Kansas, and I'm the assistant vocation director for the Archdiocese. And uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been incredible to see the Lord break into my life and break into my heart. Um, I grew up the second oldest in a family of eight children, and we grew up Catholic. Um, Catholicism is always a part of my family's life and story. Mm. But it was very much like um, show up to Mass on Sunday and say the rosary twice a month Catholicism. Mm. And Jesus really didn't break into actually becoming um, kind of like the God of my heart, the Lord of my life. Um, he really started coming in um, when I was in high school. Mm. There are a few things that happened uh, during my years at Hayden High School in Topeka. Um, that go really wild, began go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Is, is that right? That's right. Shout okay. out to Father Thomas Maddock, their chaplain. Yeah, he's killing it. Um, yeah, it was a, a couple things that happened during my time in high school where Jesus. There was never like a, a like total revelation of like, wow, that's you in the Eucharist moment. But just beginning to like just grow in my awareness of wow, the church teaches that's not a symbol of Jesus. 
And mm. wow, the church mm. teaches that like that actually is supposedly him. And there were just several moments of simple encounter with Jesus where I kind of started like receiving the grace of being able to ask myself the question of, okay, Jesus, I don't really know for sure if that's you, but if it is you, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I, I, I don't know for sure if that's you, but I want to think that it is. And if it is, man, like that would be an amazing gift. And so there was this awareness that began to grow in my heart when I was in high school. Mm. And then it just continued to grow um, more and more through my time in college and then my um, time in seminary formation. There are a few moments of, of brilliance, if you will, where the Lord has kind of shown through in, in beautiful ways. But honestly, a lot of it has just been coming to a greater awareness of what the church teaches mm. about the Eucharist and then allowing that convict my heart mm. um, of the areas where I wasn't living that. Um, I think some of it is beginning to see priests who, um, shout out to my brother priests, mm-hmm. who looked like they believed in what they were celebrating. Mm. And so beginning to to see priests that prayed in a way that actually said like, wow, Father's praying today at Sunday Mass, like he actually believes this is a big deal and yep. something important is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that began to awaken something in me. Um, getting to know the saints mm. and beginning to connect the dots of like, wow, okay, as you get closer and closer to the Eucharist, um, you get more and more saints. Perhaps that's something that I should pay attention to if I want to grow right. in holiness. I'm just simple things like that. Mm. Yeah. Who are who are some of your saints that you really uh, have a devotion to, or like particularly with the Eucharist? I am a total mama's boy. Yeah. And so um, my spiritual life really began to explode. My relationship with the Lord really took off. Um, when I consecrated myself to the Blessed Mother for mm. the first time when I was in high school. Mm. And that was a, she's a, she is the the doorway for all of us into the Christian life. And she certainly was um, for me for me in a very personal way. But uh, I certainly would have to give a shout out to my boy, St. Luke, objectively the best gospel writer <laughs> in the history of Christianity. Top four for sure. Oh, Top come four, on, Father come Joel. On. Come on, That's come hilarious. on. No, so St. Luke for sure, St. John Paul II, uh, Maximilian Kolbe, St. Michael the Archangel. There are so many amazing saints of the church. Mm. But just you, you can't you can't get to know the saints and not meet Jesus in meeting the, his saints. Right. And so as we get to know the saints and their stories, every story of a saint is kind of a stained glass window that amplifies and that reflects the love and the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Saint Benedict really is just he got me, um, and Saint Augustine too. Those those two in particular really uh, just grabbed my heart from a uh, an early early stage. So I, I love. Yeah. You can't not meet Jesus. As you meet the saints, amen. Yep. Because they're the ones who who live a life where they just um, they they live such a transformed life that you don't see them at the individual level. You see Jesus in in them and through them. Um, it's you just meet Jesus through them. It's I don't know what to say about it. It's, it's profound. They're in our face reminders that God is real and mm-hmm. that God is love. You know, sometimes we can forget those two simple things: God is real, He's alive, and God is love. Then we see somebody like Mother Teresa. We see somebody like Ignatius of Antioch or mm-hmm. Ignatius of Leo. All those these saints throughout history that just continue resounding the echo um, right. of the praise of the Father through their lives. It's beautiful. Father Joel, take us back to the beginning. What was what was that starting point with Jesus like for you? And what what kind of brought you into a, a deeper realization of like He's actually here, yeah. truly present in the Eucharist. Yeah, so just a word of introduction for me. I am the uh, parochial vicar at St. Joseph in Shawnee, and I'm also the proud chaplain of Bishop Ward High School in downtown KCK. What's their mascot? The Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Yeah, hopefully we don't have any Cyclones actually going through the neighborhood, but (laughs) that is our mascot. There you go. Um, So I was born and raised in Atchison, Kansas, um, obviously home of Benedictine. 
I would say my relationship with the Eucharist and my relationship with the Lord can, if you just use the image of um, my high school, the chapel is, the, the whole school is in the shape of a cross. And in the middle of the cross is the chapel. And the main hallway goes around that main chapel. So for four years, I made hundreds, if not thousands of laps around mm. uh, around that hallway. And not a single time in those four years did I ever go into that chapel to just be with the Lord. I had very little to no uh, acknowledgement that Jesus was even there. And perhaps even more troubling, in the four years that I was there, I don't think I saw anyone else ever go into oh, that wow. chapel. So here's, yeah. this is really iconic for the first 18 years of my life. Jesus was around me, um, but I never just took that invitation. Similarly, I was I lived one block away from St. Benedict's uh, Church, which to this day has perpetual adoration. And even though I lived such an easy walk away, not a single time did I ever go to Eucharistic adoration mm. um, until after I had gone to college. So my turning point was going to the University of Kansas. Right, uh, yep, that's right. Yep. And uh, getting involved at the St. Lawrence Center was the turning point. It was the community there, authentic love and joy that drew me in. And it was the Sisters of the Apostles of Interior Life that um, brought me to that deeper level, especially having a daily prayer life. And of course, a daily prayer life is so intricately bound with um, the Eucharist as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so the Sisters would do a holy hour at the beginning of every day, and I just started jumping into those holy hours before I began my classes for the day. And it wasn't all at once, but just simply being in his presence day after day changed me. And I just started to experience greater joy and peace. And I naturally wanted other people to experience that as well. So to this day, I'm beginning my day with a holy hour in front of Jesus, ideally um, in exposition, in adoration with Jesus there in the monstrance um, is is the way that I like to begin my day, and it, it really changes the trajectory of the day. Mm. Uh, but really, no major um, climactic moments sure. when it comes to um, the Eucharist. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've had powerful prayer experiences, but it's really just the accumulation of um, daily exposure to His presence, kind of like being before the sun and just basking in those rays and um, receiving mm. that nourishment. If only I could sunbathe. Or sun, sun, suntan? I don't know what I'm to saying. To effect, right? To effect, right? Yeah, I just, it's not pretty. Like I said, bald and pale, very pale. Father Luke, uh, what's your relationship with Jesus like right now in the Eucharist? Like, what does that look like in your life mm -hmm. today? What is my relationship like with Jesus today in the Eucharist? Um, it is the honor of my life um, to serve as a Catholic priest mm. and to serve not as a Catholic priest, but to serve as his priest, right? Mm -hmm. So my priesthood, the priesthood in which I share, is a participation in the one eternal priesthood of Jesus of Nazareth. And so, yeah, that the first and greatest way um, that I get to participate in that and then I get to live the truth of his Eucharistic presence um, is by offering his holy sacrifice mm -hmm. every day that I say the Mass. So that's something, actually, that, you know, we're recording this shortly after the Christmas season here has ended, and that's was very much a fruit of my prayer in Advent and um, in this Christmas season, is that every time I say the Mass as a priest of Jesus Christ, Christmas happens in my hands mm. every single day. Yeah. And just, um, yeah, just such an honor and privilege um, and a tremendous gift it is uh, to not only have Christmas happen in my hands, but as a priest in a special way, um, my vocation is to be Christmas um, to all of God's children in this world.
mm-hmm. that everywhere I go, whether it's getting on an airplane or stopping a quick trip or, you know, going to the grocery store or meeting people at church, right. um, I get to be a radical sign of God's presence and his love for his children as a priest. And it's, uh, it's the honor of my life to do that. Praise the Lord. That is so good. Well, praise him. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. I did everything I could not to follow him into the priest and he won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're willing just to, to share a little bit about um, some of those guideposts that maybe you felt uh, you didn't want to. Yeah, like, sure, sure, sure. Guideposts. Yeah, I think uh, I'm probably not unique in that, uh, you know, the first couple of times I've heard the gospel, the first couple of times I've been exposed to the moral teachings of the church and whatnot right. in my life, my first response has not been, yes, I'm in all the way, <laughs> let's go. Mm-hmm. Jesus has had to win um, my own selfish, prideful, self-reliant, scared little boy heart. Mm. And he's had to do that um, gently and consistently um, by pursuing my heart just in, a, in in such a, yeah, such a gentle, persistent and merciful way throughout my life just helping me um, grow in awareness little by little, day by day, of the places and spaces in my life that I live for me and not for him, um, the areas of my life where I let fear and anxiety and a need to control and whatever uh, run my life rather than um, allowing myself to live in the humble confidence of his love and of his victory. And so, yeah, my, my vocation story is really a story of just a gradual um conversion and surrender of my life and my heart to him. And then kind of as the surrender was happening, uh, a growing awareness in me um, that he was inviting me. He never Mm -hmm. forces a guy to become a priest. He only invites. He's a gentleman. Absolutely. He's a gentleman. Absolutely. Always knocks. Yeah, that's that's so good. Um, Father Joel, you said your your, your walk with the Lord right now, you you like to start your day off in adoration. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you expand a little bit more on that? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like as a priest, my whole being and also my job, if you want to call it a job, but obviously it's not just a job, it right. is my life, um, is bringing Jesus to people. And if I'm not allowing Jesus to come to me and to transform me very intentionally every day, um, I'm giving more of myself and less of him. And so I think that time, especially, and I really try to get that holy hour in before I celebrate the mass so that I'm in deeper union with him whom I'm conformed to in that mass mm. and him who I give. And as I celebrate the mass, um, I think sometimes it can be a little bit jarring for people. I try to go more slowly or have intentional pauses throughout the mass so that we're getting out of just the routine of the mass and getting into the reality. Um, And we'll talk about this document here at the end, but I particularly love the behold moment. Mm. And I'm so glad that that was the revision in the, in the mass of 2011. It's rather than saying, this is the, you know, this is the lamb of God. It's behold the lamb of Mm -hmm. God. And I just leave a moment there. Mm -hmm. Let's take that in. We're not moving on to the next thing. And um, so those that time of silence and pause before the Mass and the time of silence and pause within the Mass, um, these have been very conducive for me and apparently from the pe- for the people as well from the feedback that I've received from them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's been, that's been key for me. That's beautiful. Uh, what is it? Pontius, Pontius Pilate's word in Latin was ecce homo, like behold the man. Yes. Behold the man. Behold mm-hmm. the Lamb of God. That's St. John the Baptist, right? Behold yes. the Lamb of God. Here he is, so mm-hmm. beautiful. 
kind of just to, to zoom out, like, what do you think the Lord's doing right now in the church today mm. um, with with respect to uh, Eucharistic devotion, with the, with respect to this national Eucharistic revival that we have yes. going on across the nation? Like, what do you, what do you kind of sense that the Lord mm-hmm. is, like, doing in his church today? Yeah. Can I lean into sure. that one? Sure. The image that's been really following me for the last few years, um, it's a prophecy, actually, from uh, that... Je- uh, St. John Bosco received. Um, and in this vision, the church was this big ship at sea and mm. it's being battered by storms and also by all of these smaller ships that are trying to like set it on fire, shoot cannonballs at it and everything. And at the helm of this ship that's being battered at sea is um, a man dressed in white that we would say is the Pope. And um, it's looking like, I don't know, is this thing going to come safely to shore or not? And then out of the sea comes these two massive pillars. Um, The bigger and taller one on top of that pillar is the Eucharist. And on top of the other pillar that's smaller but very prominent and sturdy is Our Lady. And by being anchored to these two pillars, the church comes safely to shore. And I think as we are in turbulent times, I guess all times are turbulent, um, but we are in turbulent times and I think the Lord is inviting us um, to draw near to these these pillars, these bastions um, that will bring us bring us safely to shore. And ultimately, when, it, when we talk about the pillar with Mary on top, Mary brings us back to Jesus in mm-hmm. the Eucharist, right? They're not like two different pillars. They're really the ultimately the same one. And so I see this increase, um, this revival and devotion to Our Lady, the consecrations mm. um, that Luke was talking about, consecration to Jesus through Mary, um, a, a revival in the rosary, um, just the, the rosary movement in here in Kansas City is so prominent, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to see that fire growing um, for the Lord through Mary. And um, yeah, absolutely the the startling statistic that over 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. Mm. And going back to this document again, I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so eager. I'm chomping at the I bit to wait. get to it. I can't wait. But I just want to read this line from the, uh, the beginning of the document, um, paragraph six. Every great reform has in some way been linked to the rediscovery of belief in the Lord's Eucharistic presence among his people. Every great reform, I repeat, has in some way been linked to the rediscovery of belief in the Lord's Eucharistic presence. So that as our belief in the Eucharist fades, so does the life of the church. As it as the belief is rekindled, so re-enkindles the life of the church. You were reading my notes earlier, weren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that good. was one of my three takeaways. Oh, jeez, oh, <laughs> I just sunk all kinds Great. of ships. There we go. Maybe there we go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think it's important to acknowledge that... Um, Okay, in many ways, has the tide turned away from the church? Would it seem that we're back in the time of the Gospel of Mark chapter 4 where we're all in the boat with Jesus, hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. and the wind is against us and there's a there's a squall and, you know, yes. But I think the, the temptation um, can be one of uh, taking a, a play out of the playbook of the apostles mm-hmm. in that scene and just freaking out and losing our minds oh, and crying out to definitely. heaven and, and mm-hmm. all of this. We want to never forget that um, our God is ever ancient and is ever new. And as we've heard recently in the Gospels um, proclaimed here in Mass, he is one uh, of absolute authority over all things, and Mm -hmm. even the demons um, know this. Mm -hmm. And so this means that Jesus never loses sight, never forgets who he is and what he's about, 
um, in the story of his people. Right. Okay. And so I think sometimes the great temptation can be to bury our heads in the sand and act like nothing is going wrong in our world of the church. Right. Right. But I think the reverse temptation also um, can present itself where we just you know, find ourselves overrun with um, with fear, with anxiety, with mm-hmm. the need to control, to yep. force people into friendship with mm-hmm. Jesus, to to beat, you know, the truth of the Eucharist into people's minds right. and hearts. Yep. And we want to not forget that um, the Lord um, is the epitome of humble confidence. He knows who he is, and he knows what he is about. Mm-hmm. And so the last person who is sitting up in heaven going, oh, no, I have no idea how this is going to end. What's happening? Oh, mom, oh, no, yeah, yeah. is the boss. Mm-hmm. He is in absolute control all of the time, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in a very real sense, he is doing the same thing that he has always done, which is loving his people and inviting them to receive his victory. Yeah, it's an invitation back into communion, right? It's just right. he's constantly inviting us. He, he, his hands are always open. The The invitation is open all the time. He's waiting for the banquet, Amen. waiting for people to come on in. You know, get your garment on. Let's go. Let's go party. Amen. Oh, man, so good. Um, so many of our, our brothers and sisters, and I think many of us, um, even those listening now, um, or even us just sitting in these chairs right here, like we've we've wrestled with the Lord. Like we we've wrestled with the oh, Lord. Oh yes, There's lots of wrestling, right? Uh, no singlets though. He is um, undefeated. He, he, that's what I've he yet does. to beat him. That's, that's what he does. Um, we've wrestled with the Lord um, a lot, and and I think in particular, it's not. I mean, we know the stats. It's not uncommon to wrestle with the Lord, particularly with um, the like seeing Him in the Eucharist and understanding mm-hmm. that He's truly there—body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, Jesus Christ. Like, so what would you say? Um, to our brothers and sisters who are on the fence right now, or maybe mm-hmm. they, they're, they're committed to fulfilling their obligation, to, to showing up, to yeah. being present, mm-hmm. but the, the just connection's not quite there. What would, you, what would you want to say to them? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. I'm nothing um, that I haven't already said, but with in light of the Eucharist being on top of one of those pillars that brings us safely to shore and with our, our tendency to be prone to this anxiety, um, just plopping ourselves down in front of the Eucharist more frequently, even if you're on on the fence or in a place of doubt, maybe especially if you are, um, sometimes I think we can over-intellectualize things a mm-hmm. little bit because we have so much information and we can do all kinds of research, we can learn all of the arguments, but more and more, I think what we need as Catholics, as Christians, as people is more concrete experiences of God's love for us. Mm. And by just being in his presence, something is happening, regardless of whether you feel it or in the moment or not. And you might not experience that fruit until after the prayer time or even after days or weeks of having consistency um, in being in Jesus's presence in the Eucharist. But the fruit speaks for itself, and he won't withhold that fruit if we're faithful and showing up. And I think Jesus will bless in a special way those who show up with the doubts, with the difficulty of showing up, the fact that you're willing to show up even though it's hard for you to be there, I think he's going to bless that in a special way. Um, so Amen. that would be probably my number one suggestion is just to taste and see, right? To go, um, to be more intentionally in his presence, whatever that looks like for you. Now, if you have zero time of adoration, maybe trying an hour a week. Um, if you're already doing an hour a week, maybe trying for two, um, or just spending a little extra time if you're going to Mass on Sunday or during the week, spending an extra 15 minutes before mm. Mass or after Mass. Again, right. just being very intentional about spending extra time that's, with Him. That's really good. And I would just submit to my brothers and sisters out there uh, who've got families. Um, I love the holy half, the holy half hour. 
um, is, is so good. And like, I've got three littles. I've got a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a and a five-month-old. Right? We're praise God. We're, we're cooking. Um, but like, just stopping in the Adoration Chapel for literally like a minute after church mm-hmm. is so so cool. Yeah. Um, they're they're just it's a it's like you're on Mars or something. It's just so different, and mm-hmm. the kids just can't help but um, they just look. Mm. You know, they just look. And they're yep. I mean, that's Jesus says, let the children come to me. And I think we just mm-hmm. have to be children too. And I would also just share that, like, um, we we can just ask Jesus, please show me yourself. Like, mm-hmm. show me. Yep. Just, could you just, like, figure that out, Lord? Because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I can't. You know, I can't do that right now. I, yeah. I don't know where to start. Can you just, like, do that for me? That that would be great. Yeah. And just being honest with them. Because, like, mm-hmm. the, the greatest thing that the Lord asks of us is, um, us as we are, he just wants us to be honest. Amen. And he, he he's always going to show up. And I think, like you said, Father Joel, he's going to bless. He's going to bless that honesty, bless that um, that inquiry. So yeah, yeah. You know, I, th- I think two of the greatest things that are being attacked in our culture right now, even in the church right now, in some ways, um, is the truth of what love is, and the truth that I am loved. Mm. Um, the truth of love and the truth that we are loved. Um, so, you know, we see this attacked all over the place in our culture, right? The the truth of identity and the truth of love. And those are two things that are, um, you know, yeah, just creating all kinds of turmoil um, in families um, and in individual minds and hearts when we buy the lie um, that love is whatever I say it is and that whether or not um, I am loved is a matter of my, you know, of my own thinking or feeling or whatnot. And so the definitive revelation, the definitive answer of God um, to a world that wants to know love and that wants to know that it is loved is the gift of his son in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. There's no greater expression of the Father um, of what love looks like and that each and every one of his children is loved like this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, than the gift of his son, Jesus, in the Eucharist. Right? You think about it, if God loved us, um, he would want to lavish the, the best things that he could possibly give to us on right, us. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, any good father would want to do that for the children in whom they delight. And so what would be the best thing um, that God could lavish upon his children? More Super Bowl championships in Kansas City, right? Th- those sound good. Yeah. Well, those are, I mean, maybe that's a close second. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what, power, money, honor, unending right. life. Success, what, yeah. what, what would it be? Um, well, I mean, objectively speaking, there's nothing greater than him. There is nothing greater, nothing more beautiful, no greater source of life, of love. There's nothing more valuable than God. Amen. And so the greatest gift that God could ever give to his children is himself. Right. And that's not only the greatest gift that he could give, that's the greatest gift that he has ever given in history. Mm. And he gives it to us every time we come to him um, at Mass. Mm-hmm. You know, Lee, one of the most powerful confessions that I received, so not as a not as a priest hearing sure. it, but as a penitent going to mm-hmm. it, um, was when I was in college. And uh, I found myself kind of explaining to the bride, yeah, I, here I am in tension, like trying to not listen to Jesus, not follow him with my life. And I find myself in this confession basically giving this priest all the reasons why I can't do this and I can't do that and it's not enough. And, you know, there was a lot of me's and I's in this yep, confession, yep. okay? And he kind of cut me off and he said, you know, son, that's enough for the damn eyes. Your life's not about you. It's about him. That's good. And I think if there was one thing that I was going to speak um, to the children of the world, to the children of the church at this time, it's that we have forgotten what life is about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about being seen by the world. If we make our life about being seen by the world, then we're giving the world the power to destroy and to cancel us. Mm-hmm. It's about being seen by our Father who loves us mm-hmm. and then living every day in the confidence of that love and the confidence of the vision and delight of our Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First John 4, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. 
he snapped it like a stick. You can't put a stick back together. It's 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 dead and gone. It's Amen. Game set match. Amen. I want to live in that kingdom. That's right. So good. So I think that's a great transition into um, the the second part of our episode today, which we're gonna we're gonna crack open a, a little bite sized chunk of a papal document. Um, and that papal document today is Sacramentum Caritatis by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And I I just I've got a whole list of things that we're, we're going to just crush over the next year in this, this podcast initiative, but I thought what better way to honor the Holy Father who recently just passed uh, a couple weeks ago um, than to, to, to start here. A uh, little, little preface for you guys. Um, so Sacramentum Caritatis. So Pope Benedict, he wrote this to, and I quote, the bishops, clergy, consecrated persons, and lay faithful. That's, that's literally anybody with a heartbeat, right? Everybody. Everybody with a heartbeat. And it's, it's on the Eucharist as the source and summit of the church's life and mission, and mission, not just the life, but and the mission. So over the next month or so, we're going to be uh, cracking open this document. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and this he wrote this in 20, or I was going to say 2027. That's definitely not when he wrote that. Uh, 2007. Um, and I just love it. This is in the second year of his, his pontificate. He wants to get the word out to people about the Eucharist. He wants people to be drawn into communion with the Lord and uh, in the body of Christ. So um, the intention of this document is, he said, and I quote, to offer some basic directions aimed at a renewed commitment to Eucharistic enthusiasm and fervor in the church. In the church, I want to be more enthusiastic about Jesus. I want to be more enthusiastic about the Eucharist, and I want to be just more enthusiastic about what's possible in Jesus for the church. I, I just want to get fired up. All right, mm-hmm. here we go. And the second intention is this, to encourage all to deepen their understanding of the relationship between Eucharistic mystery, the liturgical action, and the new spiritual worship, which derives from the Eucharist as the sacrament of charity. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're on the right track. Come on. Come on, Jesus. He's got more in store for you. So I want to hear from you, gentlemen, what what stuck out to you over the first 15 paragraphs? We're going to take a look at the first 15 paragraphs in this episode, and we'll just continue on from there. But what stuck out to you? What were your gold nuggets? So I already took one from Father Luke, so I'm just going to let him go through his. <laughs> well, he can take you. a couple of mine. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. So uh, just, yeah, to give us a, a even broader perspective, too, before we dive into this letter. Let's do it. Like Pope Benedict XVI, I think, is a prophet um, of uh, of the new age that the Lord is kind of ushering in for the church. And, you know, if we were going to summarize his pontificate in one word, I think it would be Christocentricity, which mm. is a very long word that basically means Christ is the center. Christ has to be at the center. Mm-hmm. And so this is the Pope who, you know, wrote the famous um, trilogy, Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. This is the Pope who throughout his pontificate is just calling the church to a greater um, knowledge and love of Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And so it's so fitting that he is the one who's like, okay, uh, as we're striving to know Jesus, we got to know the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So a uh, first big takeaway for me Um, Pope Benedict tells us the Eucharist should awaken wonder. Mm. The Eucharist should awaken wonder. The goal of the Christian life is not making tons of money. It's not receiving likes on social media. The goal of the Christian life is not about earning your place in God's kingdom. It's about allowing yourself to be awakened to wonder. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? Um, Reverence and awe, um, wonder, 
in the presence of the true, the good, and the beautiful. Yep. That's what we're gonna we're gonna be wondering for all of eternity. So the goal of the Christian life is wonder. Right. And the Eucharist is the very means by which God awakens the wonder of his mm-hmm. children yeah. to his presence and to his love for them. Amen. So that was the first takeaway. Do you want me to keep going? Oh, that was mine. So that you're oh, no nice. Way. We're Crushing even, Father Joel. Yeah. Let's go. One, one, right. one. Here we go. Okay. All right. Second one. Here we go. We'll see if you had this one. Uh, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, Jesus shows us in particular the truth about love, which is the very essence of God. Mm. And so the Eucharist is the definitive revelation of not like, oh, what what you know, um, someone who loves looks like. Um, the Eucharist mm-hmm. is uh, the incarnation of love itself. Yep. Mm. Okay, and so in a world that is starving for love, that is thirsting for love, you can literally listen to any podcast and get all kinds of opinions about what love is. Sure. But the Eucharist, Pope Benedict tells us, is the definitive revelation mm-hmm. of what true love is and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, um, what are the words that make Jesus in the Eucharist? That if the Eucharist is love, what are the words that literally make love? This is my body which is given for you. Mm-hmm. And so the very words that create Eucharist, yep. that confect um, J- Jesus, who is love in our world, are the, world, are the, the words literally um, of self-sacrificing love. Mm-hmm. Um, love is not a feeling. Um, love is not, um, yeah, I, at, at its core, love is a decision. It's a decision that I make um, to will the good of another person as well as myself. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, um, it's not a movement of self-worship. It's one of self-gift. And so everything that we need to know in order to know the truth about love is given to us in the Eucharist. Amen. Yep. So those are yeah, that th- th- those are the oh nice all right let's <laughs> that was, go that was okay. my point but yeah just building off of that what is love so love is self gift the God his very essence as John the apostle tells us mm-hmm. in his first letter God is love and. So we can say God is love because God is a trinity, a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are constantly pouring themselves out for the other, into the other. Mm -hmm. And the Eucharist is the way that God pours the trinity, pours this love, this self-gift into us. Truly. And we receive that self-gift in the Eucharist, and we are prompted to make a gift of ourselves first back to God, who has given it to us first, and then that overflows to love of neighbor, right? Two heads mm-hmm. of the same coin. Um, so, yep, it's all about that self-gift. Eucharist reveals what love is, which is self-gift that is first present within God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that he invites us into. It shows it, it gives it, and then it empowers us to go out and to do it. Mm. And so, yep. like, literally the mission of love um, is accomplished in the Eucharist. And we see how the devil is attacking that in our culture today. Um, you know, here in the state of Kansas in this last year, we just had the value them both amendment where the people of Kansas um, sadly made the choice for a culture of death rather than a culture that honors and reverences Christ and his gospel of life. And, you know, St. John Paul II um, is the, the one that coined this phrase, the culture of death. And so, right, uh, the Eucharist is the source and summit of a culture of life. It's the Mm. very epicenter of the people of life. And so the enemy knows that in order to build the culture of death, he's got to build this this anti-culture, this false culture, um, by attacking the very thing that is Mm. central um, to the culture of the people of life. And so, um, right, what's the mission? If you think about this, what's the mission of virtually every sin that goes against communion with God in the Eucharist. Mm. It's not It's not an expression of saying, this is my body, which is given for you. 
but rather, God, this is my body and I'm going to do with it what I want to. Sure. This is my body. I'm going to call the shots with it. This is my body. I'm going to live for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the very epicenter of, um, yeah, of the war against God. Right. And so Jesus gives us everything that we need um, to know, to receive, and to respond mm-hmm. um, to his saving work in our life through the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so some nuggets that stuck out to me, I just love to share these with you all, is um, he said this in, in paragraph five, God incarnate draws us all to himself. We can thus understand how agape also became a term for the Eucharist. There's God's own agape. God's own agape comes to us bodily mm. in order to continue his work in us and through us. So for me, this just, this just, this just rocked me. This really did. I was not expecting you know, to get floored, paragraph number five. But Benedict, he just does that because, like, this man loves truth. Amen. This, mm-hmm. Like, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, theologian of the 20th century, mm-hmm. like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he he loves truth. And he just... And he reminds us truth is not a concept, it's a person. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a person, it's right. And God's saving work is a, it's a free gift for every single person who breathes his air. It's it's personal. Mm-hmm. It's It's corporate, yet it's individual. I love that dichotomy. It's 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 both individual and it's corporate. It's one and for all, and and for all for one. What's the Musketeers line three or whatever? One for all and all for one. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is about the three Musketeers, you got to know is that there were actually four. Okay. So, um, that's a D'Artagnan. <laughs> got them. Got them. So come on, Alexander Dumas. You need to get it together. Um, come Holy Spirit. Um, at the personal level, Jesus's rescue mission for us is accomplished uh, through us with us and in us. I think, and I might be stepping into theologically murky waters, but I just want to want to submit this to the church. I want to submit this to you, my brother. Please. Oh, great. Father Joel, you and I are representing oh, the church. Yeah, Here we go. Okay. Uh, no, I just wanted to make sure, you know, I want to, you know, grain of salt here, but it's like, what do we, what do you all say in the mass when you say through him, with him and in him, oh God almighty father, through the unity of the Holy spirit, all glory be all glory and honor all is glory yours forever and, and ever. ever. Right. And it's like, it's through him it's through Jesus that he glorifies the Father. Like, uh, it's through his own sacrifice. It's the greatest act of worship. Um, and and yet, he is about a similar work with with us. It's like, he's a gentleman. He's always going to he's always gonna knock. He's not going to force his way. He, he uh, this cooperative, like, element of grace working in us, this this cooperative element of salvation, like, washing over us and and, and, and in us, like the transformation, it happens inside of us. Like it, our heart is literally transformed. And, um, and yet it's, it's, it's accomplished um, through us. Like it's not just for us, but it's also through us through which he longs to accomplish it and see it fit or see it done in, um, in our spheres of influence. I, I just thought that was, maybe that's a couple steps beyond it's the pretty margin. Deep, man. But like, yeah, no, I was it's like, beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. through him, with him, and in him, it's like we... We can see him. The body this. of Christ is the Eucharist, but the body of Christ also is the church. Mm. And so when you speak of the Eucharist, you're speaking of the church. So good. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yep. We got we to gotta get going. Here we go. Come on, Jesus. Um, paragraph six, uh, he said this, Every great reform has in some way been linked to the rediscovery of, uh, the, of belief in the Lord's Eucharistic presence. And that just gives me so much hope just to kind of echo what you said, um, Father Joel. And in the last one, uh, chapter, th- or not chapter, paragraph 13, whatever the Holy Spirit touches is sanctified and Amen. completely transformed. Yep. Amen. Yep. Woo! 
I think yeah. that was a, a church father. I forget who it was, but um, but just yeah. the epiclesis is. I'm not gonna say my favorite part of the mass because the whole mass is my favorite part of the mass, but like as as somebody who's participating, um, you know, in the pew, it's it's really special because like the Holy Spirit is descending at the epiclesis, mm -hmm. the, the anaphora. Is that right? Do you know? And eh, don't worry about it. The epiclesis, right? Yes. So the, the moment where the priest yes. extends his hands over the over the gifts mm -hmm. and says, "Send forth your spirit." I don't know what yes. the words are, but um, um, but we just um, how we get to participate as gifts on the altar, mm -hmm. and like the Holy Spirit is called down not just upon these these elements of bread and wine, but upon everybody there. Yes, let me read that line because that was the one I underlined and yeah. wanted to share. Like Elijah, the minister calls down the Holy Spirit so that as grace comes down on the victim, the souls of all are thereby inflamed. So everyone there present, we're, we're being inflamed with the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Eucharist is the flame itself, but we are transformed and brought into that, that flame taking place on the altar. Mm. Mm -hmm. And as the Spirit comes down on the altar, on the victim, and on all the souls that um, have placed themselves there on the altar, mm -hmm. the problem with being a living sacrifice, and all of us are called to be living sacrifices, right. is that living sacrifices sometimes crawl off of altars. Mm. And so um, the Eucharist is also what sustains us um, in our mission to allow us uh, to be blessed, broken, and shared with Jesus right. for the redemption and salvation of his people. Amen. That's so good. And just the just the image of like what is it that happens soon after is that the transformation happens, the transubstantiation happens. Mm -hmm. Like the what was there before is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, that's that's the invitation for us too, is that we um, that we too might become the living image of the Father's Son in our spheres of influence. Ugh. One of the greatest heartbreaks for a Catholic priest, this is on my heart, if I can just name this, <laughs> name it. is, um, okay, this is like the honor of my life. This is the moment. This is the source and summit of our existence as mm -hmm. Christians. And it is so hard as a priest not to notice sometimes when we give this source and summit, the greatest gift of all gifts mm -hmm. to God's people, that rather than going in haste to Bethlehem, they go in sure. haste with Jesus away from Bethlehem mm -hmm. out into the parking lot to make their exit. And so, uh, you know, a Catholic, as a Catholic priest, I just, yeah, I want to cry out and say, do you know what you've just received? Mm. And do you know what you've just been touched by? Mm. And you're really well, cut him off at the knees because he only goes where he's welcome, right? Mm. He's a God of invitation. Um, if we don't, if we let him enter into us in the Eucharist and then we don't actually allow that time to commune and to dine with him, mm -hmm. right. um, we're not going to, we're cutting ourselves off at the knees. We're not going to receive all the graces that he wants to give. Right. I I love that, and I think that's just an invitation for all of us. Like, uh, whether we, you know, no matter when we leave mass, that um, we, it's just a, it's a call into deeper um, intimacy, uh, because the, I don't know if the church formally teaches this, but just the like that's the, like that moment after we receive communion is the the most potent moment of our entire life, because that is the moment in which the Son is truly physically indwelling within us. And the prayers that are we offer, the prayers that we offer, um, right after reception, have, have a unique power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Praising the Father, Thanksgiving, sure, but like if there's any time to ask for anything, mm -hmm. it's then, because Amen. it's then. 
Like that's the moment. Amen. And I don't want to leave that. Amen. Amen. I want to live there. I want to live in that room. I want to live in that place. I want to, I want to drive my car in that place. I want to, I want to take that place home and that place to be every place that I go. Amen. I want to take that place with me. Uh, and I want to operate out of that on a, on a, Moment by moment basis. Yeah. Amen. 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 It's just so beautiful. No judgment from your priests, but when you receive that gift and you just, yeah, peace out, um, that's an expression to everyone there that you don't know what you've just received. Sure. And so true. we're praying for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but please, please, please take right. some time to pray with him and right. with us. Yeah. Don't do it to make Father happy. Do it. Do it Amen. because Jesus loves you. Amen. Just just hang out. Um, man, guys, any, any other closing thoughts, anything you want to share? with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ? If there's one thing, um, it's what's revealed in the Eucharist, that you were the friend of a God who has fought for you and who stays with you throughout time. Mm. He told the church that he would remain with her until mm-hmm. he comes again to reclaim his bride. And the Eucharist is how he does that. And so when you see the Eucharist, when you receive the Eucharist, when you adore the Eucharist, you are in the presence of a God who delights mm. in you, who loves you, who fights for you every day and mm-hmm. who has remained with you yep. for you. Amen. Yep. You Amen. are loved. Amen. And hand in hand with that, you know, there's such a true pandemic of loneliness in our in our world, in our culture. And um, as with all of these major deep holes in our heart, the desire to be with and to not be alone. Mm. Um, is satisfied in the Eucharist. Um, so wherever we find ourselves at this moment in this day, discouraged, um, depressed, uh, sad, despairing, or whatever, just know that He is waiting and He is there. He is present. Mm. Um, even if you don't feel it, um, just being near Him will itself be fruitful, and that hole in that heart, in our right. hearts, will be filled. Right. Yeah. I agree entirely. And just inspired by this conversation, I want to I want to share that, like the Lord. The Lord's not trying to play hide and seek with us. Like he, he's already made it very clear that he wants to communicate himself to us fully. Mm-hmm. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. And nothing would make him happier than, than that actually happening. So um, it's, it's been such an honor. Father Joel, Father Luke, thank you for coming on and, and being a part of this amazing initiative. Um, thank you for your priesthood. Thank you for your fatherhood. Thank you for your your pastorship hood. I don't know, but just pastorship hood. That's yeah. the first time I've heard that one. New That's term. It. Wow, thank you. I'm calling Webster's. I think it's um, an upgrade. Yeah, but uh, it's just thank you. It's such a blessing to know you both, and um, I know that you're you're about an amazing work in, in cooperating with the Lord's grace and in bringing uh, bringing Him to the people. So just thank you for for your sacrifice and for your life. Um, thank you so much for joining today for the inaugural episode of new mana and rather than trying to come up with something awesome and catchy as a sign off i'm just going to throw it over to father luke and he's going to he's going to bless us and he's going to throw us out with his with his own calling card priestly thing. fatherly priestly <laughs> fa- calling card beautiful all right thanks lee go for it all right let's pray in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen father we praise you father we adore you father we pray for the grace to allow ourselves to be seen and to be loved and to be freed and healed and strengthened by you through the gift and the power of your divine Son in his Eucharistic heart. We ask this through the intercession of the Virgin Mother of St. Joseph, of our guardian angels and patron saints. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is new manna. Let it rain from heaven. (laughs) We'll see you next week.